Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's by low time on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to this uh, jam-packed 25-ish minutes of fantasy basketball goodness. I am your host, Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on social media. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Sports Ethos is the website. I don't know why I only put half the name on the screen for you guys to see. It's sportsethos.com or Ethos Fantasy BK for all your NBA news. Uh, I want to take just a second before we dive into the by lows to quickly mention that there was some breaking news right before I came on air with this show, and that is that LaMelo Ball's ankle injury, which we did guess on an earlier show was much worse than they were letting on, is indeed not good. Shams tweeting just two minutes ago that it is a serious sprain in his right ankle and is expected to miss extended time. Yuck. Not a whole lot you can do about that. If you've got LaMelo Ball, you just have to hope that you can stash him for as long as you need to. But we are right back into ankle stuff after pretty much missing all of last season. That is brutal. And we'll definitely have some thoughts on that over on social media. Again, that's over at Dan Bespris. I'll see you guys over there for more on the Hornets. As far as this show goes, we're going to give you... Let me see here. What do we got? We got one, two, three brand new guys on the buy low list. One very important repeat buy on the list, and two other quieter repeat guys on the list. So all told, it will be, what did I say, six names, uh, four of them that I want to highlight with a very large, bright, shimmering light, and then two that we'll just touch on very close to the end. Without further ado, your week six buy lows here on Fantasy NBA Today, and the first name on the board is none other than, once again... Jaron Jackson Jr. He's been on the buy low board for a couple of weeks now, and so far it has not yet cashed in, which is fine because a lot of the other ones have. Jared Allen is way up the board. Brooke Lopez has vaulted himself to the almost very top of the board. Freddie Van Vliet moved up already about five or so slots because we know he's been a guy that's just kind of inching his way up the list. Still, by the way, with more room to go on Van Vliet. But JJJ's gone the wrong direction. Remember, he was ranked in the late 60s, early 70s when we first put him on the board, and he's now in the 90s. That's not what we were trying to do, but the reason is not the one you would have thought. He's still doing a lot, frankly, too much at times, but his field goal percent has tapered off. It was already low two weeks ago, and now it's gone lower, which makes this buy low an even easier call. It is the the reason that this particular buy low is such a doable one is that people have now stopped believing in what they saw from JJJ over the bulk of his young career. He's not an old guy yet, guys. Jerry Jackson Jr. was born in 1999. He's only 24 right now. Make sure his birthday had already passed. He's only drafted five years ago. He was a kid when he came into the NBA. So it's not like he's fallen off a cliff. His skills haven't just magically eroded. It is worth pointing out that he has had a season before where he shot 41%. It was one, the one, it was the season where he was coming off of a massive injury. And I think you could pretty safely argue that some of the shooting stuff was related 
to just a general body slowdown. But you could also point to that season and say, look, even if his body was slowed down, he was still blocking 2.3 shots a game that year uh, in only 27 minutes. This season, he's averaging a career best in scoring at 19.4 points, which is about a point better than last year, despite shooting 9% worse overall, 5 to 6% worse from three-point land than last season, which, mind you, was higher than usual, but not by that much, because career-wise, he's at 35. And the other stuff with him is about where you'd expect until you get to the defensive stats, which are also painfully low. In fact, in one of the most astounding twists... Jaron Jackson Jr. did not have a multi-block basketball game until two days ago between November 3rd and November 26th, a span of nine games where he got either zero or one block. Were people panicking about JJJ after the first six games this year? Not really, because he blocked five, three, one, two, one, and three shots in those games. Those six ball games, he had 15 blocks, which is still not the three he had last year, but it was two and a half, basically. Yeah, exactly two and a half. And since then, over the now, I guess it would be 10 games if we said it was nine before, 10 games since then, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. One block a game over his last 10, and prior to that, it was 0.8 blocks over the previous nine. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Here's the thing, guys. He didn't just magically forget how to block shots. He didn't. And if you're looking back at last year and wondering, is this the kind of thing that happened to him? It didn't. All of last year, he didn't have a stretch where he wasn't blocking shots. So why should you believe that it's going to magically get better? Well, because it's never been this bad. He's never had a shot-blocking dry run, dry spell, like he has right now. So the blocks are going to come back. The steal's probably going to come back. It's not a guarantee. The field goal percent likely trends up when John Morant gets back in there and JJJ can actually get a few open looks at the bucket, which we're not really getting many of those right now. So then the question becomes, all right, Dan, if you're saying this is a buy low, how low are you buying? Well, I still think maybe setting the target inside the top 20 is no longer a reasonable one, considering he'll have to climb from 97, which is doable, by the way, because Brooke Lopez got there in a week and a half. 
let's say 35 or higher. Because right now, if he gets even to that marker, I think people are going to be pretty thrilled. And the beauty part is, and guys, you can try to call me out on this, but I ran polls on Twitter. You can get him for a guy in the 50 to 60 range right now. Because in the poll I ran on Twitter where I asked, where do you guys think Jared Jackson Jr. finishes this year in 9-cat ranking? The vast majority of folks said between 20 and 70. 47% said 20 to 40, and another 35% said between 40 and 70, and 10% said outside the top 70, meaning 45% of respondents thought outside the top 40. Meaning, 45% of the time, you might be able to make a trade to get JJJ for somebody outside the top 40. You should try to do that. I know it hasn't paid off yet, but at some point, it will. Next name on the buy low board is Jalen Brown, and this one's a little bit of a cockeyed one because he's ranked basically the same as Jaron Jackson, but they're getting there in pretty different ways. Jalen Brown is two points higher in points per game. They're actually right next to each other in overall rank. Uh, JJJ's at 19.5. Jalen Brown's at 21.5 points. Jalen Brown has an extra three-pointer, extra assist and a half, extra half a steal, one block less. Both guys have had trouble with field goal percent. Jalen Brown's had a very poor free throw percent. So what are we doing here? Well, some of the issue with the Jalen Brown by low, and I'll try to work through this as we talk, is that in all likelihood, he's probably not going to have the same usage that he had last year because Marcus Smart is gone, yes, but Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis are in. So they're just simply going to be more games where he doesn't need to take 20 and a half shots per ball game. Still, that said, two years ago, he took 18 and changed shots per game, which is where he's at right now. Shot 47.5%. This year, he's at 44.5%. That year, he shot 76% at the free throw line, which is basically where he's been for three seasons in a row. This year, he's at 71. His rebounds are down from 7 to 5, and I don't know that, I mean, some of that maybe you could blame on lineup adjustments, but not really because Robert Williams is gone and he was one of the better rebounders. Yeah, I guess Al Horford's not great and Porzingis is better than that, but I would expect the rebounds to actually trend up a little bit for Jalen Brown. Assists are fine, turnovers are fine, steals are fine, blocks are fine. So what you're looking at here is a guy who's 3% under his career mark in field goal percent. Uh, I don't even want to use career mark for free throw because generally it's been better the last three to four years as opposed to earlier in his NBA career. So he's about 5, eh, call it 3 to 5% too low in free throw percent compared to recent history. He's low on rebounds for reasons we can't fully explain. And then all of that other stuff, auto-adjusting, will fix the points as well. And if you're like, Dan, is some of this because his shot profile has changed? And the answer is not really, only a little bit. His three-point percent is actually two percentage points below his career mark. Same as last year, mind you. So a lot of it is just that he's not in his two-pointers right now. He's not in his free throws right now. But in terms of a buy low, that does make things a little bit complicated because he's still scoring, and in points leagues, people are totally fine with it because year over year, there isn't that big of a change for him. So the question is, what can he get to? I always felt like Jalen Brown was going to be a little bit overdrafted because he was a better points league player than a category league player, and that also makes him kind of a tougher guy to buy low on. Last year, he was number 46. He's probably not getting back that high because I don't think he's taking 20 shots a ball game, but I think you can safely say he gets back to around 60 at 18 and some odd shots per game. Therefore, 
if you can get him for someone really at all behind 60, you do it. For those of you watching live, you saw I put 65 to 70 range on your screen. I think if you pull that off, that probably works. Maybe you start slightly lower in that group and work your way up the board. Jeremy Grant's been very hot lately, but he's going to level off. Osar Thompson is someone you could potentially try to part with. I don't know if that gets it done. You may need a little bit more name power to get you there. Uh, does Vooch get it done? Uh, maybe. These are names that I would consider throwing out there. They might just quite not be there because of Jalen Brown's name power and how much he scores, but it's worth a try. Player number three on our buy low board this week is DeMar DeRozan. And you guys are going to yell at me about this one, and I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine being yelled at. DeMar is number 64 in nine category leagues right now. He's sitting at 21.5 points per game, a three-pointer, 3.2 boards, 4.5 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.9 blocks, 44.8% from the field, and 80.3% at the free throw line. And there's a reason that I spent more time on that very final number and it's because it'd be the worst free throw shooting season for DeMar DeRozan since 2009. Is that sinking in yet? 2009. Half the NBA was barely born back then. Okay, they were born. But whatever. You guys get my meaning. We're talking about 14 years ago was the last time he shot lower than 81% at the free throw line. And for the bulk of of his career, he's been between 82 and 88%. Career 84. He's at 80. And you're like, Dan, that's only 4%. Yeah, but for a dude taking seven free throws a game, which is the number he's been at for the better part of the last seven years, that's actually a really big deal. Also notable, his field goal percent is the lowest it's been since 2015. His shots aren't falling, his free throw isn't falling. His rebounds are down for, again, just like Jalen Brown, reasons that we can't fully enumerate because it's not like the Bulls have dramatically changed what they're doing. His turnovers are better than in seasons past, so I guess you could say, oh, maybe that goes up and that counterbalances some of this other stuff. But for DeMar, the nice thing about it is at some point he's going to go on a free throw shooting run. We're not even really going to notice it, but as other guys taper off in fantasy value and he slowly inches forward... It's going to be like, oh, DeMar got a little bit better in like three or four categories. That alone would only move him into the 50s. But as everybody else levels off, slowly they fall behind, and suddenly DeMar is in the late 40s, and everything seems normal. But the nice part is, most people think DeMar is what he's doing right now. Most people think that DeMar is going to be between a 50 and 70-ranked player this year. Some people think he's actually going to be outside the top 70. In the poll that I ran that got over 600 votes, 58% of respondents thought he was going to be worse than 50 this year. And you could probably get him for 60. Very few people think he's going to be inside the top 30, and I'm okay with that. He probably doesn't get back all the way that high. But there's a pretty clear and easy path for DeMar to get inside the top 50, and you can probably get him for a player about a round, round and a half deeper than that. Which I get it. It's not a massive leap. But you could probably exchange him for someone who is similarly ranked, but doesn't seem as likely to go up. Michael Porter Jr. is an interesting one. Someone like a Derek White is an interesting one. 
you're not going to get him for Max Struess. As much as I love Max Drews, you ain't going to get DeMar DeRozan for him. You're probably not going to get him for Jonas Valanciunas, even though he's ranked ahead of him. Probably not going to get him for Tobias Harris, but you could try. And a lot of names jump out as possibilities here, though. Here's one that's going to surprise the crap out of all of you. Julius Randle, a guy that I said to avoid like the plague on draft day, but now you can get him on a discount the likes of which we would have never imagined. Because he's gotten off to one of the worst shooting starts in the history of mankind. Julius Randle is shooting under 40% a game right now on ultra high volume. He's outside the top 200 largely because of that. He's at 38.7% on 17.5 shots per game. Yowza. He's also shooting under 70% at the free throw line on 6.5 attempts per game. And look... I don't like Julius Randle as a fantasy player. He's a points, boards, assists guy that really doesn't help you in other statistical categories. But he is way too low right now. Last year, Randle had a, uh, a decent season. He shot 46% from the field, 76% at the free throw line. That got him to around top 70 markers. He's a 46% shooter from the field in his career. It's also worth noting he did that last year while taking eight-plus three-pointers a game. This season, the three-point volume is down. He's not making them, but he's also not making any two-pointers. He just can't hit anything. Also, free-throw marker, way down. He's been 73% or better for the last five years, and he's at 69 right now. In fact, one season in there, he was at 81% from the line. I don't think any of us expect him to replicate that type of performance. But getting back into the mid-40s from the field, getting back into the low 70s even, that at the free throw line, making some of his three-pointers, all of that actually pushes him where you kind of need him to be. Admittedly, there are problems with the Julius Randle by low because some people are punting the things that he's bad at. But if you're in a league where the guy who drafted Julius Randle is completely fed up with the fact that he's tanking all of the percentages, you could probably get him on the pretty cheap. Because, again, according to polls, 45 to 46% of all managers think he finishes outside the top 80. You know, they might be right, by the way. He might not get inside the top 80. But if you can get him for someone in the 90 to 100 range, I think it's worth a shot. Because that's not going to cost you very much. The team that has him is likely trying to just abandon ship at this point. And so maybe you've got someone like a John Collins in Utah who's not destroying your percentages, just very quietly plodding along and not ruining your basketball team. Doesn't cost you all that much to lose him. But if Randall hits, he gives you boosts in categories that are at least from guys that you can get on the cheap or trade away a late rounder for, those categories are hard to find. You usually can't use a guy you drafted at 105 to go get you a whole bunch of points, boards, and assists, but this is kind of a rare opportunity to do so. The problem, of course, is that we don't know when the percentages are going to turn around. The best indicator we have is a couple seasons back for Randall, the 2021 to 2022 season where he got off to a similarly unbelievably bad shooting start and then had a pretty good second half of the season. 
It feels like forever ago, I know, and honestly, every year feels like about 15 years right now, but that season was a season that I accidentally drafted Julius Randle in one league, and I just I couldn't handle it. And the first half of the year, he shot 41% from the field, and he was number 158. Or he was at 40.5% from the field. I think before that... Oh, that was the second half of the season. Sorry, guys. That was the second half of that season, where things actually got a little bit better for him, believe it or not. The first half of that season, I believe that he was even worse. I might be getting my years mixed up. I'm fairly certain that there was a year in the last two or three where Randall was shooting like 39% for the first couple of months. Then he got hot. The question was, what I'm not remembering is exactly when it happened. Was it the last second half of the year? Was it a little bit later than that? I don't recall. In any event, yeah, he ended up staying outside the top 100 because he was basically a punt field goal play that season. But if he can turn this thing around and start to get the field goal percentage up, then he becomes an interesting positive, and one that, again, you could probably get for next to nothing. And if you want to just stash him on your roto bench, I'm fine with that until he gets going. And for head-to-head, you know, you have good weeks and you have bad weeks, and you know he's not going to lose you a category by himself in a given week. So I think you roll with it. And so, again, just to reiterate, I can't stand Julius Randle's fantasy game, but right now you can get him for an unbelievably affordable price, 30 to 40 slots deeper, I think, than where he was drafted. And that's probably worth exploring. Uh, all right, so those are the four guys that I really wanted to highlight. Here are a couple of what I'm calling repeat offenders on the show. Guys that we had on last week where basically nothing has changed. Uh, those guys are OG and Anobi, whose rank has um, remained almost exactly what it was. He's still sitting between 90 and 100. Nothing shifted for him. I still think that it's almost a given that his steals are going to trend up and his free throw percent is going to come back and he'll work his way towards that 60 range. And also Jalen Williams, who is still out with his hip injury. Um, he's number 89. I don't think he's moved at all because of the, the hip thing. He's at 0.8 steals on the year. That's a number that's obviously going to get higher. I believe he's back for the Thunder game, which is that tonight or is that tomorrow? Doesn't matter. He's coming back, we believe, in their next ball game. This is your opportunity to perhaps grab him if you can, uh, and I would strongly suggest doing so because a jump by 30 to 40 slots is not at completely out of the question. And those are your buy lows for this week. Uh, let me take a quick check of the chat room to see if anybody has any buy or sell-related questions. If you don't, then we're probably going to call it a day and yep as per usual so uh sorry guys we're not going to do standard questions on these buy low and sell high shows if anybody has like a player that popped up that maybe i forgot that's the type of thing that i might throw in there we had a number of questions earlier today on jared jackson jr and what he would potentially cost you to trade for him i'm hoping that the poll i ran on twitter which uh you know and i can probably throw that up on the screen here here we go. Let's get that up on the board just for the last couple seconds of today's show. This is the JJJ poll I ran earlier today. You can see it uh, on your board. Top 20 was about 8%. 20 to 40 is 47%. 40 to 70 is 36%. And 70 plus, higher than 70, is uh, about 10% as well. So that is your JJJ results with about 900 votes in. 
yeah, votes are continuing to trickle, so that'll change a little bit. But again, if you're thinking, you know, what am I going to have to give up to get Jaron Jackson? There's a lot of leagues right now where managers are getting beyond frustrated with every bad game that piles up, and every single time it happens, you can get him a little bit cheaper. So, you know, try that 50 to 60 range. Yeah, hell, if you want to try 60s and see if it works, have at it. Uh, and then you could even maybe work your way back up the board just a little bit. But either way, really good opportunity right now to get your hands on JJJ. And uh, that hopefully answers the questions from earlier today as well. This is your Buy Low episode for week six of the fantasy basketball season. I am once again at Dan Vespers over on Twitter. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It takes like two seconds to go hit that darn subscribe button. No matter what you're using to listen to this show, please subscribe. That's how we're going to continue to put time and investment and resources into these things. Uh, lots more to come. Tomorrow, we will recap the last NBA Cup day or qualifier day. We may also have a sell-high show tomorrow. Uh, if not tomorrow, that'll get posted on Thursday. We've got some sell-high options that uh, should be somewhat new this week as well. Again, I am at Dan Vespers on social. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Thanks to everybody for watching live after the fact. However you take in your stuff, ah, hugs and kisses, everybody. I'll see you all tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.